Welcome to Fireside Nets with Spen and Nick, brought to you by Empire Sports Media. I am your host, Spen Harris, and my brother Nick is currently on a flight from Austin, Texas, back to his home in Brooklyn, New York. So he will once again be absent from a show that he claims he's 50% responsible for. But he's missed like eight shows this year, and we all know who really runs shit on this podcast. Now, Nick's not with us, but I am not alone tonight. I am joined by a New Jersey legend. This man is a diehard Nets fan. If you've ever lived in Bergen County and you're between the ages of 22 and 32, you've definitely run into this guy at a bar, at your local Bergen Catholic sporting event, or literally anywhere in the tri-state area. He's been going to Nets, Giants, and Devils games with me since I was 10 years old. He is the one and only Kina, the baby, baby. Now, KB, is it true that the rapper, the baby, potentially stole his rap name from you? I'm not sure if, you know, he got the patent on that. But, I mean, I'm not really going to take him to court. I feel like he'd win that. You know, KB, and then I'm going to call you KB during this podcast. Um, Chris Carino, the man who does the play-by-play for the Nets on radio, put out a really great video today. And it was, it was talking about that epic alley-oop from the other night and we'll get into the the Nets Cavs game in a little bit but you talked about how you know a lot of these players on this Nets team and in that specific instance are bold and he and he and he brought up an old Latin proverb fortune favors the bold now a lot of people listening today don't know who you are but if I can describe my buddy KB in one way I would say that he is one of the boldest people you will ever meet in your life is that fair to say? It's fair to say. A little bold out here. It is what it is. All right. Well, listen, speaking of bold, have you ever shaved your balls? Uh, I mean, that's what Manscaped's for. Exactly. So what you should do if you've shaved your balls before and you listen to this podcast, you should try using Manscaped. Manscaped provides the perfect tools for the ultimate grooming experience. Once you've used the lawnmower, which is a Manscaped product and not an actual lawnmower. So please, listeners, don't go and buy a lawnmower and try to shave your pubic area. You won't ever have to use that crappy pube-soaked razor of yours again. Use the promo code FIRESIDE, all capital letters, FIRESIDE for 20% off all products and free shipping. What do you think of that deal, KB? I mean, you can't beat that. What do you think this is? Come on. Come on. What, what, what do you think this is? All right, let's get into it. We'll start with the playoffs are set in the East and West. Everyone knows the matchups. Your Brooklyn Nets, for the first time since the Jason Kidd era, are a two seed in the Eastern Conference. Philadelphia 76ers claim the one seed. Milwaukee gets the three. New York Knicks are crosstown rival. They get the four. Atlanta five and Miami six. The play-in game for the seventh and eighth, well, the seventh seed will be Celtics and Wizards, and then the loser of that will play the winner of the nine and ten game, which is the Charlotte Hornets against the Indiana Pacers. Let's start with this, KB. 
Who would you rather want to see in this first round? The Wizards or the Celtics? Mind you, the Nets are 3-0 and against Boston this season and only 1-2 and against Washington. I mean, there's a lot of different factors that come into play on who I want to get. You know, one thing would be great to play Westbrook and the Wizards because it'd be just nice to see, uh, you know, Katie going against Russ, Harden going against Russ, and just the excitement around that series would be awesome. If now, if I'm trying to win the series, best chance to win, I think either team we play, we win five, maybe six, depending on who we get. Brown being out for the Celtics is key, and I don't think the players want to play for Brad Stevens. That's from what I'm just seeing on TV. I'm not in the locker room with him. I don't know him personally, but that's kind of the vibe that I'm getting now. Westbrook can win a game by himself, and, you know, Bradley Beal was maybe a free throw two-way from taking Steph Curry with the uh, most points in the NBA for the entire season. Um, I'm not a huge fan of Scott Brooks. I really don't think he knows what he's doing um, in regards to playoffs. Very good regular season coach. Um, like Budenholzer and, and you know, uh, those bucks. But if I want to see someone in the first round, I got to go with Boston if I'm going for the easiest route to win. But it would be nice to uh, send Russell home. It'd be sweet. Yeah, I mean, it'd be great for KD to send Russ packing. But if I have to pick one of these teams, I'm going to pick the team that we've just dominated in the regular season, a team that is missing their second best player in Jalen Brown. I'm not – I don't think he'll be back for the playoffs or at least the first round. I'd have to look more into his injury. But – it's Jason Tatum. It's a banged up Kemba Walker. It's a, a very mediocre Marcus Smart who just hasn't been great this year. Evan Fournier, they picked up in that in that trade. He's nothing special. Um, the Nets would sweep the, the Celtics in four. I think it'd be easy. You look at the Wizards. You got Beal. You got Westbrook. You got a team that's been playing great basketball these last few weeks. I, I do not want to see them in the first round. I think we'd beat them. I think it'd be five or six games, but... Do I want that stress of having to watch Russ come up and down the court? You know he's going to basically give the most energy out of anybody on the court at all times, and I don't want to have to see him in that first round. I don't need that stress in my life. So give me the Celtics all day. No, and I, I couldn't agree more. I mean, Russell's got one speed. He's a, he's a savage. He's a sick man. He'll be dancing you know, on the sidelines before the game starts, and he just doesn't get tired. He but wakes up we'll and he gets triple happens. doubles, man. He eats triple doubles for breakfast. Um, but, yeah, like, I think you're 100% right with that take. And depending on um, who we – depending on that we're all healthy, I think if we all play, if everyone's healthy and there's no one sitting, a sweep could easily happen. Maybe, they, you know, they, they sleep on one of the games and they kind of just take the night off, which they've been doing a lot of this season. But that's because the regular season, in my opinion, doesn't mean anything. And it's nice to have the playing game because, you know, that's a little bit more um, excitement around the league. And, again, we'll see what happens tomorrow. Rewinding a little bit, the Nets get the two seed. How proud of you, KB, as a Nets fan, how proud of you are – how proud are you of this team, of what they were able to accomplish I mean, this year? Just, just tears. Tears of joy. It's, it's great to see um, – Steve Nash in his first year coaching. Um, D'Antoni um, being humble enough to take that assistant job, um, similar to Kid with um, Vogel on L.A. I mean, we've just been through so much. When we lost the Nets and they, they left New Jersey, Continental, and then it turned into eyes out, obviously. We went to a lot of the games back in the day. And I remember seeing us get swept, and I was at that game four when Shaq won the MVP and just thinking to myself, like, damn, this – 
I don't know what's going to happen. Are we ever going to get back to the promised land? And this is the year. And I couldn't be more excited about the, the two seed and the way that we've been playing um, when, when we were all, all healthy. And it's, you know, it leaves me sort of speechless because I think the team's been through a lot of ups and downs. You know, you go from losing a lot of draft picks with uh, Pokerov and taking on KD, uh, KG and um, Paul Pierce and Joe Johnson. When I remember I was watching highlights of that game five where he, I mean, oof. It was, just, it was just good. It's good to see the Nets back um, in the spotlight. And this is the time we were finally going to take it home. Yeah, you brought up that you were at that uh, Lakers-Nets finals. I was there the very next year at that Spurs-Nets finals. And, you know, we won a few games in, in that series, but same result. The Spurs sent us packing. And uh, it's been a common theme in the Nets organization. Every year – They've been in the NBA. They've never won a championship. They, they get sent packing, whether it's in the playoffs, whether it's not even making the playoffs or whether it's all the way in the finals. So hoping we can see um, a, a, ch a change in that pattern here this year. I mean, we have the best opportunity since the J kid era. So I, I'm just, I'm amazed that with all the turmoil and all the bullshit that this team has had to endure from injuries to the outside media giving a shit constantly to Stephen a going on first take and, and just shitting all over the nets every single week. We've been able to take every punch. We, we took the best from every team in this league and we came out one or two games away from being the one seed. I, I mean, I think Philadelphia ended the season with one more win than us. So we, we were a game out, but again, kudos to this team We're we're about to get into some important, questions that fans are going to have for the playoffs but the fact that the big three barely played together and this was the end result that the nets finished with a record of i think it was 48 we're gonna we're gonna look right now let's see 48 and 24 yeah there you go. 48 and 24 philly finished 49 and 23 so um and to finish the season on such a high note with with five straight wins you love to see that as a nets fan but we're going to get into some important fan questions for the playoffs, Christian. So as a fan, I thought of a few questions. I'm going to sling them your way. You and I will kind of have uh, possibly the same or two different answers. But let's start with what is your starting lineup for the Brooklyn Nets in the playoffs? I mean, obviously, it's going to change depending on who we match up with and obviously who's going to be healthy because who knows these days, right? I mean, the shirt that I'm wearing now, I hope I don't see James Harden wearing the same shirt um, at any point in the playoffs. Unless, you know, that's, I, I want to see the entire team play. Now, with a starting lineup, just saying, depending on who we play, um, I want DeAndre in there, um, Joe Harris, KD, Harden, and Kyrie, those five. So the big three, Harris and DeAndre, is your, your five. Okay. I'll replace DeAndre Jordan with Jeff Green. I personally think that if you get those five out there and have them start quickly, um, I like what Blake has been doing, but my problem with Blake is he just doesn't give you that offensive rebounder. He's shooting too many threes. It's a, a lot joke. Of threes, He's got to relax. He doesn't really clean the glass on defense. I'm sorry. That's what I meant to say. And, and I know that Jeff Green isn't necessarily that much better of a rebounder than Blake Griffin, but I think he's like an inch or two taller. I think Green's like 6'10", 6'11". Um, if, honestly, if I had my way, you know what? Scratch that. I'm going to change my, my answer. I would start Nick Claxton at the five. 
I, I felt he has this been way playing well. He's been he's been playing well. I felt this we way for a long him time. Two years ago, I was very excited. Defensively, he's your best player on the front court. He gives you something that Blake Griffin and Jeff Green do not give you, which is that he's going to contest every single shot. He's going to get in guys' faces, and he's going to make it tough on his opponent. Um, and rebounding, he's far superior than both those guys. So give me Claxton, and then those other four guys offensively are talented enough where Claxton does not have to do much on offense. So that would be my five, Claxton, Harris, and the big three. Um, I talked about it a little bit earlier, but I think the big three have only played like a handful of games together this season. I want to say 10 to 12 games. They, they've played around that number. Are you worried about the chemistry that they will have come playoff time? Not in the slightest. I think it's, you know, I think it's funny and it's kind of a joke and you, you know, you listen to all these, um, you know, you got your first takes, you got your undisputed, you got your, whatever Nick Wright does. I mean, it's just – it's comical, some of the stuff they say, thinking it's going to be a huge deal. It's not going to matter. You saw James Harden out of the strip club, probably, like, finished, like, 24, you know, uh, boneless wings and was, like – I mean, he, he, he wasn't looking in shape, right? He comes to Brooklyn. I mean, the first possession, he just, you just – you just feel the chemistry. It's just, you know, it's – um. It's now. I'm not concerned in the slightest, to be honest with you. And um, I don't think it matters that they've only played um, X amount of games um, together, because just I mean the way that the way that Harden plays. Um, I think it might matter, just maybe at the end of the games, depending on like who's going to take that last shot. Um, because with you know Kyrie and Katie and Jimmy, it's it's tough, right? And then three you got alphas. In the corner. Three alphas on that. Um, team, it's, it's 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 going to be it's it's going to be tough to. Um, that's the only thing that I'd be scared about is that they haven't had that chemistry in like late game situations, but I mean, it doesn't matter at all. I'll tell you this, man. So you pull up to a court, you're like, Hey, I got next. You, you match up with four kids that you've never played with before. In a lot of those scenarios, the second you start to play with them, there are those occasions where, all right, you know, this kid's a shooter on your team. You know, this kid's going to play down low. You know what you do well. The other two are, are going to do whatever. But there's that chemistry, and, and you mesh with them right off the bat, even though you've never met these kids a day in your life. That's what happens when you play with other elite players. You know, Drew Holiday, when he went to Milwaukee, fit in like a glove. Um, you look at a lot of these top teams like the Lakers when they got Schroeder, same thing. The big three are going to be just fine. Now, let's not forget KD and, 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 uh, um, Russell Westbrook, KD and Harden played together in Oklahoma city. They understand each other's games. Kyrie has played with these two guys on the Olympics teams, but they're so good. And their basketball IQs are so higher than 98% of the rest of the league that they'll be fine. Who the fuck cares if they played 10 games together in the regular season, this is one of the best distributors in the game in James Harden. And one of the best shot creators in the game, Kyrie Irvin, who was coming off a 50, 40, 90 season, one of the most elite scorers at his position in the last decade. And then Kevin Durant, who in the last 30 years might be the most gifted scoring wing we've ever seen. I mean, he's literally that good outside of Michael Jordan, outside of Kobe Bryant. He's right there. So I'm not worried about the chemistry at all. This, 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 these, all these guys are battle tested. They have playoff experience. Two of them are world champions. James Harden's, been to more Western Conference Finals games than I can remember. He loses a lot of them, but granted, he wasn't playing with KD or Kyrie in those games. 
I, I'm not worried about chemistry. And anybody that is worried about chemistry, you shouldn't be. It's a little bit silly at this point. All right. Don't agree anymore. Thank you. I talked about the, the front court earlier. I want you to rank these four big men in terms of importance. And then I have a follow-up. So Blake, Jeff Green, Nick Claxton, DeAndre Jordan, rank them in terms of importance for this Brooklyn Nets team. I mean, most important is um, it's, it's Jeff Green. Um, I think that, I mean, he's always, he's always had a chip on his shoulder, um, you know, dating back to that heart surgery that he had. Um, he's, he's hit a couple cl- – he's better at the free throw line than all three of those other guys. That's a good point. Um, he's hit some clutch shots. And he's just smarter with the basketball. Blake scares me a little bit with his threes and sometimes he'll spaz me out. But I would put Blake at, at number two because he can he, – he's still got a little bit left. He's still got a little bit left in the tank. Um, DeAndre is just right, a little bit right under him because, I mean, just the, his, his presence there is incredible. Um, he's good with the putbacks. I mean, he's a great rebounder. Um, I'm not sure what his free throw percentage is this year, but I feel like every time I've seen him at the Man. line, he's he's hit he's hitting more than he was in the past. He, I don't know. If I could a, be wrong. He's a, he's a make one miss one type of player, DeAndre Jordan, hey, and that's fine. If he goes back rim on the first one and sinks the second one, that's all good with me. And then Claxton's four, but that's not you know a knock on him because he's been, I think honestly more than what I expected him to be, um, especially coming out of college. We got him late in the second round, um, if I believe so. I think he was out of Georgia. I could I could be wrong. Um, Claxton, yeah, Claxton is a Georgia guy. He's a bulldog, yes. And I think that's – I would go green and then Blake, DeAndre, just – I mean, so close to Blake in importance, um, and then Claxton. But Jeff Green, I would have to say for sure, um, just – it just comes down to, like, God forbid someone gets hacked and they, they got to go to the line. He'll make the free throws more than the other three guys. I, I mean, you might be the biggest DeAndre Jordan supporter that we've had on this podcast or I've seen on Nets Twitter because everyone on Nets Twitter knows DeAndre Jordan probably won't see much time in the playoffs. Um, he's my number four. Number three, I'll go Nick Claxton. He's going to need to play some significant minutes if the Nets have to deal with a big. I don't think, you know, Blake has proven that he can he can defend centers. He did a great job on Jokic that game against the Nuggets, you know, he really kind of wore him down um, in those final minutes and the Nets were able to close out that win, but I'll go, I'll agree with you that Jeff Green's the most important. He he's, yeah. he's the best stretch five on this team. He hits more threes than Blake offensively. He's just a little bit better than Blake. Um, and defensively he can, he can, he can get by defensively. Blake's number two. What Blake gives you is someone who can kind of do it all at the five. He can shoot if you need him to, he can create, he can pass, he can defend pretty well, and he can rebound a little bit. And the one thing you get from Blake and Claxton that you're not really going to get from Green and, and DeAndre are those crazy hustle plays. And we'll get to that in a little bit, but nobody outside of me, no, I don't even think Bruce Brown has been on the floor as much as Blake Griffin has. And you'll love to see that from your center. Um, and then yeah. number three for me, it's Nick Claxton. I, I mean, I, I said this earlier, he's defensively, you're going to need him offensively he's solid enough to get by and when Harden plays with Claxton he is so much better I mean the the second that Claxton's play regressed was exactly when Harden hurt his hamstring so Green Griffin Claxton DeAndre that's for me I don't think you're going to see a lot of Jordan unless there's an injury to those first three guys well the big reason why I bring him up is um I said Jeff Green's obviously number one but 
when you asked me who my starting line would be, and I mentioned that I would have DeAndre right. in there, you like you DeAndre? I was, you know, what am I, what am I saying here? But I think it's key for, I mean, just for, from the tip, right? DeAndre is going to win the tip above all those other guys, and I just think he brings a lot. I mean, his 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 energy um, when he does make a big dunk, a big tip and dunk. I feel like he's just very good with the um, whole chemistry of the team, like getting them riled up a little bit. Um, that big smile on his face. He's got some good hair. I mean, he can, but I he would, can he can get him riled up from the bench. Yes, I mean I do like that. I mean I, I would say depending on how he is in the beginning, um, if you know that was my starting lineup, you got to see how it goes for the first two three minutes, and then have Jeff Green ready to go. But um, I think yeah, which importance with those guys has to be uh, Jeff Green number one, uh, Blake two for me, DeAndre three, Claxton four. I do agree with your takes on your uh, rankings as well, but um, obviously everyone's opinions are sometimes different. Yeah, clearly. All right, we get to my next question. Who out of these three players is the most important in helping the Nets win? You don't have to rank them. Just give me the one guy that has to play well in order for the Nets to be good. Joe Harris, Bruce Brown, Landry Shamet. Um, I mean, it's honestly, you know, it's easy, but it's not at the same time. Um, I'd have to go with Joe Harris, though. There's I mean, him in the corner from deep, if he's shooting well, even though, um, you know, dating back to the Heat game um, when the Nets, when uh, Durant got hurt, I mean, Shamit was – I don't think he missed a shot. He was – I mean, he was he was hot. Um, he can he can heat up for sure, but it's going to come down to Joe. Um, and, you know, with, with his with his shot, you can just see, you know, when it's going and you know when it's not. He's been missing a lot of wide-open threes as of late, but I think out of those three guys, I got to go with, uh, Big Joe. Yeah, I'm gonna have to agree with you. I think that you can get by if Shamit's cold. I mean, I mean, Shamit was in a cold stretch until these last few games. He started hitting his three again, but you don't necessarily need Shamit to be successful. You need Joe Harris if he's gonna be in the starting lineup. If he's gonna play significant minutes, you need him to shoot 47.5 percent from three, and that's what he's done all year. And I don't expect his his play to drop off in the playoffs. But every single great championship team from the heat when it was Ray Allen to, uh, you know, the, 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 I guess the Lakers, you can go all the way back when they had the guys like Devin George or Rick Fox, you need that guy to be able to hit threes. Right. So I, I, I think that, you know, if, if you're Kevin Durant, Kyrie Irving and James Harden, you're really going to depend on Joe and, and Shamit to a lesser extent, but more Joe Harris to hit threes that he's used to hitting Bruce Brown for me, there are going to be games where it's like, oh shit. Okay. 13 points, 14 rebounds. Yeah. It's a hell of a game, Bruce Brown. That's going to be one in every four or five games. You do not like, he's not going to have the time to do that on the court. And unfortunately he just doesn't provide enough offensively to, I guess, take the place for me in terms of importance of a Joe Harris or a Landry Shamet. Um, But Brown's great. I mean, like I said, Brown's a hustle guy. He plays great defense, and he's a guard who can rebound the ball. But come playoff time, I think you're going to see his minutes decrease just slightly. Yeah, Joe's Joe, Joe's definitely going to be the guy that um he'll he'll bring us you know um over that edge. KB, you are not a Mike James fan. We've had conversations about him before, and you've been very vocal about your disdain for this European. Well, he's not European, but this former. European stud. So why don't you like Mike James? And do you think he sees significant time in these playoffs? 
I mean, he's he's a fucking bum. Um, it's just it's it's frustrating. It's kind of like you know, um, dating back to when the Knicks sucked. You know, you and you know, it's like you, you cringe at you like it, it, it gives you that sick you know sick feeling in your stomach every time he's got the ball in his hands or he's on the court. Um, I think they renewed the ten day contract. I don't know what's going on. Oh, with he's, he's now, there but for the rest of the season. Yeah, they picked that up thing. They should be, that that thing should be ripped up. That's 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 my take on Mike James. Um, I think he wears number 12. I really don't – I could get two fucks about what number he wears because um, if he p- plays more than 12 seconds in any playoff game, I'm actually going to freak out. Did this guy, like, do something to you? Like, did he did he sleep with one of your former girlfriends? I mean, what's going on? Like, the guy has been nothing but solid for the Nets, okay? We're looking at a team that had Chris Troyoza, who's shorter than you, as their backup point guard. And I felt – how you feel about Mike James. I felt that way about Choyoza. I don't know why he's on the roster. Choyoza's a tough kid, but he's short. He can't really shoot. He can't really score. He's an okay passer. He's not an NBA player. He's, he's a very, very solid G League player. Maybe he can start on the Orlando Magic, but he's, he should not be on a championship roster. Mike James is Chris Choyoza. If Choyoza was about five or six inches taller, had a really solid jumper, and could create off the dribble, not only for his teammates, but for himself. I've seen a guy in Mike James come in when Harden was hurt, when Kyrie really wanted to be more of a two than the point guard, and Mike James is just, he's done everything that the Nets have asked for him and more. He's he's created for his teammates. He's scored some some big buckets on a ton of different occasions. Um, Defensively, he's not terrible. And I just I don't understand why you loathe this dude so much when he's really been nothing but solid for the Nets. Yeah, um, I think whatever country he is from, he should probably go back tomorrow. Well, he's, and, he's not from another country; he's from America. He, he went played to Lamar University. Right? He played it. Yeah, played it. I mean, that's the thing. I don't really care because I mean, I, like I, I heard I heard the words out of your mouth that you were just you know um, saying before, but they weren't really clicking because I, like I said before, you just hear this guy's name, teams. you see red. He's awful, man. He's just really bad. And like, it's just like, again, I'm no um, NBA scout. You know, you know Tim I like, to that I, I like to think that I, I know the game pretty well. And every time he has the ball in his hands, I just get very scared. Just, and I'm scared that I'm going to break my TV. You just want to throw up when he has the ball in his hands. He's terrible. Um, he, I'll tell you this. The, the, the second part of my question was, do you think he sees significant time? I know you don't want him to, but I think he will absolutely see not significant time. But he will see third quarter, the Kyrie or Harden need a break, and you need someone to run this offense, and you want them to get guys involved. I think he will see five to six minutes in that third quarter when Harden's on the bench. Well, that means I'm probably breaking five to six TVs. All right, and then a few more quick questions, and then we're going to talk about the the final two games of the season for the Nets. Um, Do you think we see any of Tyler Johnson or Timothy Luau Cabarro in these playoffs? Um, I hope we see a lot of Cabral. Um, I love, I just love his game. Oh my I goodness. love his game. I do. Oh. I love him. Oh, AB, please say it ain't so. The no. guy shooting 29% from three-point range recently. He contributes very little on offense. Defensively, he's a very flawed player. He doesn't. He knows his role. Anything, which is which he is knows. to suck. I mean, I, I, see, you're killing me with that. That's kind of my guy. Yeah, of I mean, course. Like, he... I, I met his cousin once. He's a good uh, dude. That's why um, you like him. You met his fucking family hey, member. He's a good. He's a good guy. What about what about Tyler Johnson, he, aka Tyler Johnson? Jack he needs a fucking haircut. That's what he needs. 
He looks like Jack Harlow. I uh, shout I mean, out Eli on Twitter. Anyone that's get, getting time above Mike James, I don't care who it is, as, lo- as long as it's not him. I'm cool with um, Cabrera or um, Tyler Johnson playing. My, my problem with those two guys, and I like Tyler Johnson a lot. I do not like TLC, but they don't do much outside of a little bit of scoring. I think Tyler Johnson's a much better shooter than TLC, at least this year. Um, but when you need guys, I mean, I think Tyler Johnson will see a few minutes a game. I don't think TLC sees the court, by the way. I think with, with Harden back, with Joe Harris returning, there's just not enough minutes for TLC. Bruce Brown, Shamit coming off the bench. You'll probably throw Tyler Johnson in there now and again. Um, but yeah, it's just like Tyler Johnson's been great in moments where guys were hurt. Like you remember that Suns victory where, where James Harden had that epic comeback. I think Tyler Johnson had like 20 that game. Um, yeah, I, I just don't think you're going to see a lot of him. Like, like the rotation's going to be – we know how the playoffs get, right? The rotation shortens up. So it's it's eight or nine guys. And those three or four guys off the bench are going to be Shamit, Bruce Brown, Blake Griffin, Jeff Green, Nick Claxton. Any combination of those five guys. Um, and then finally, this is the final question, and then we'll get into some, some highlights and, and whatnot. Any concerns regarding Steve Nash being a rookie coach in his first playoffs ever? as a coach, obviously very experienced as a player, but first go at it as a coach. Um, I'm not really concerned just the same way that I wasn't concerned um, about Steve Kerr when he went to the Warriors. I think Steve Nash is getting a lot of help. And I think it's huge that we have Dan Tony, but I'm not scared about uh, Steve Nash. Um, I think that he's got the right, um, He's got the right head with the way I think he treats it on um, three. I mean, it's, it's tough when you're uh, coaching three superstars um, and especially playing in a city like Brooklyn um, with that media and him being his first year and a lot going on, obviously, you know, with the pandemic and then, um, you know, everything um, boils down to, I'm just not concerned um, about him being a rookie head coach because there's just something that I see and him, you know, when they cut to, um, you know, when they, they check in on the huddle and you can kind of hear what he's saying. And sometimes, like, you got Budenholzer is an alcoholic. He sounds like a moron. doesn't know what he's doing. Doc Rivers is a That's fucking a choke wild artist. Accusation. <laughs> but, um, well, yeah, Budenholzer is an absolute alcoholic. But okay. I, I just like what Steve says in those huddles um, compared to, like, you know, with some schmucks like Frank. I think Frank – I mean, we, we can go down that line. But um, I'm not concerned in the slides with Steve Nash. I think he's got the sauce. Yeah, I, I more or less agree with you. Um, the only thing that worries me about Steve is those in-game moments where the opponent's going on a run and he doesn't call timeout where a normal coach would. I think he's gotten a little bit better at that as the years went on. Uh, but no, you have Kevin Durant, James Harden, and Kyrie Irving. It's pretty hard to fuck that up as a coach. You know, we're not asking him to do a lot. The Cavs didn't ask Ty Lue to do a lot when it was LeBron James. The Warriors didn't need Steve Kerr to do a lot when it was Curry, Durant, and 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 Clay. The Nets don't need Nash to do a lot. He's just kind of manage minutes um, and keep guys focused. And I think he's he's done a great job of that all year. Yeah, and I think I think we both know that, um, especially in the NBA game, a lot different from the high school and the college game. Yeah, it's it doesn't really come down to as much X's and O's as it comes down to, in my opinion, especially playoff time and in in, in your uh, your choices on who to sub in and sub out, um, the amount of minutes that you play. I think you're right. And the only thing that worries me, and you kind of brought it up earlier in the show, is games on the line, two minutes left. Who's Nash going to go to? Is he going to go to Kyrie? Is he going to go to Harden? Is he going to go to KD? And whoever he goes to, 
are the other two players going to be okay with that decision? I mean, it's a, it's a, it's a unanswerable question because like, we just don't know, you know, we'll have to wait and see. Um, I, I'm, I'm sure you have your selection. I would put the ball in James Harden's hands and see what he can do in the pick and roll game. And if Kevin Durant's open, he's open. But from what I've seen this year, I don't love KD in that isolation top of the key, trying to hit a big shot to win the game. I'd, I'd rather the ball in Harden's hands, to be honest with you. Um, and, I, and I agree with that. I would say, you know, there's less than 24 seconds um, in the game and Kyrie Irving has the ball in his possession. I don't think he passes. I think he's going he's, he's yeah. to hold on to it. That could, you know, be a good thing or it could also be a bad thing. Um, depending on if he get, if he grabs that rebound and down one, down two, tie game with less than 24 seconds and he's dribbling up the court and he's crossing over and again and again and again, I'm kind of, you know, I, I know he's not, I, I know he's not going to pass the ball. He's going to, he's going to hold on to it. And I, and I trust him. Um, I mean, not just cause he made that huge shot obviously against the Warriors, um, and, you know, was the reason why 2016 finals. Yep. Yeah, just a kid from Akron was able to uh, bring Cleveland the championship finally because Kyrie um, hit a shot, put the team on his back. Oh yeah, but um, honestly, I would, and I, I think it's going to come. It, it, well, if James Harden has the ball, I think that's going to be passed for sure. Um, late in the shot clock, and I think he's going to well, be looking I, for. I think I think Harden's going to make the right decision. Whether he's open, he's going to shoot. Whether, but like you're right, Kyrie's got the tunnel vision, and when the ball's in Kevin Durant's hands, you, you know he's shooting. Um, and you, and you brought it up, you know, a kid from Jersey won a kid from Akron, the world championship. Let's not get it twisted. Very true. All right, KB, let's get to these final, we're not going to go through the whole week in review, but let's get to these, these two final games that the Nets played. We start with the game on Sunday against the Cavs, 123 to 109 Nets. We had the play of the year in this one, your boy, Mike James, Tips the ball to Blake Griffin on defense. Griffin goes behind his back, basically not full court, but but ahead of the court to Kyrie. Kyrie touch pass to Mike James, hard dribble, off the backboard. Mike James with a ballsy pass, a bold pass, as Chris Carino puts it, to Kevin Durant for the alley-oop slam off the backboard. An unbelievable call by Ian Eagle and just a ridiculous play. What was going through your mind when you watched that? I just can't believe Mike James um, didn't fall on his face, to be honest with you. Um, I mean, it's typical Blake because that ball could have either went where it went or it could have went um, in the stands. I mean, it, was, right? it was a ballsy pass to throw that behind your back, just ahead of the pack. And I don't think he meant to, to make it la- that good. I don't think Mike <laughs> James actually meant to do something that was actually productive for the first time in his existence of living on this earth. But um, – I mean, it was an incredible play, and it was, a, I mean, just an awesome way to cap the season off. And just it, – it, it gives you so much more excitement going into it because it's like, all right, like the boys are back. You got to stop with the Mike James slander. He, I mean, he, he had a slam dunk that basically puts all of Kyrie's slams to bed. It was a fast break, and he dunked it with one hand, and it was, it was ferocious. Very, very solid basketball game for Mike James who finished with 14 points and eight assists in only 28 minutes. Um, Kevin Durant was phenomenal in this game. 23 points, 13 assists, eight rebounds. We got to shout out Kyrie Irving. Three of three from three-point range put him over 40% from three-point land on the year. 
like I said earlier, joins the 50, 40, 90 club. Now, a lot of haters will say Kyrie didn't play in enough games for that accomplishment to matter. But those people might not be watching the games that Kyrie plays in because Kyrie chucks up 20 to 25 shots a fucking game. So he might have missed 15 to 16 games this year. I don't know what the number is. But when he does play, Kyrie is, is shooting a lot. So that is why that's still a ridiculous accomplishment to get into the 50, 40, 90 club. I mean, shoot or shoot. Um, and I, I never get mad when he puts up a shot um, because next, down, next time down the court, next one he puts up, if he missed the one pr- previous, the next one going in. Um, I think we know that. I, I get a little bit um, frustrated with Irving only because there are moments where he'll miss – and it'll ruin the momentum of the team because it's such a quick shot. And, and it's my only knock on him as a player. I think sometimes he doesn't let the offense come to him. He just tries to grab the bull by the horns. And a lot of times it'll work. But, but occasionally, if the Nets are down four or five points and he misses a, a shot a second into the shot clock, I, I hate that. I, I just – I absolutely hate that. But, no, kudos to Kyrie on a ridiculous season. I mean, the, the crazy thing about all three of these guys – and, by the way, Harden did not play in this Cavs game – it was, it was just Kyrie and KD. Um, all three of these guys had moments throughout the season where they looked like the MVP. I, I mean, I, I forgot what game it was, but Kyrie had that moment where the next day Stephen A. Smith went on first take, said he deserved MVP consideration. Early on in the year, it was Kevin Durant because he was scoring 30 points when he stepped onto the court. And then in that stretch without, without KD, it was James Harden. So um, really, really nice win. It could have been a game. If Colin Sexton didn't get ejected, uh, that weird play where he elbowed Durant in the face on the drive. Initially, the call was a foul on Durant. The refs reviewed it. They overturned the call and gave Colin Sexton a flagrant two, which I found really funny. I, I didn't think there was intent there, but I also didn't hate the Cavs losing their best player, basically solidifying the win and the two seed for the Brooklyn Nets. Um, but what you love to see in this game, KB, one, two, three, four, five Nets in double figures. I'm sorry. That's not true. What uh, seven nets in double figures. There you go. I said, KD had 23 Bruce Brown with 12 Irvin with 17 Shamit with 12 Jeff green with 13 and Jeff green's been on a hot streak as of late been shooting the shit out of the ball. Tyler Johnson with 14. I'm sorry. Yeah, that's uh, Mike James with 14 and Tyler Johnson with 10. I apologize for that, but that is seven players in double figures. You love to see that for the nets. from three, 57% from the field. Um, They handled the Cavs team that, that just wasn't it this year, but I would not be doing uh, the Nets a service. If I didn't mention that they did a great um, homage to Jared Allen, who was on the Nets in the beginning of the year was a piece in that big deal for James Harden, but watching Jared Allen play, he had a few nice blocks in this game, only nine points and 11 rebounds for him. But he is going to be a very good center in this league for a time to come, man. Uh, it was definitely a tough loss, um, especially using a, losing a young guy like that with um, so much potential, um, a lot of room to uh, grow and um, improve his game, along with someone like Karis LeVert. Um, losing those guys in the beginning of the season was tough, but, I mean, we're out, we're out here to win a championship, um, and we have the pieces to the puzzle that – it's the time of the year where it's time to turn it up and everyone's healthy and it's ready to rock. I love Jared Allen. Love Karis LeVert, uh, Torian Prince, Rodion's Karooks. Eh. 
But at the same time, uh, you go back in time. If you ask me what I make that trade for James Harden a hundred times out of a hundred, you do not pass on a talent like James Harden. And finally, we get to the game on Saturday uh, against the Chicago Bulls. It was our second game against the Bulls in the same week. Our other win was against the Spurs. We beat the Bulls earlier in the week on Tuesday. Um, This game was cool for two reasons. It was the first time that the big three played together in a few weeks. And it was also the first game that I attended uh, this season. I'm double vax, so getting in wasn't a problem. I came with my boys, Dave Wax and, and Purse. Two guys you know pretty well. Um, we met up with the Talking Nets guys. Shout out to the Talking Nets podcast for, for hooking it up with those tickets. But definitely a fun time. Ironically, the big three did not play great. I mean, Kyrie had 22 in this one. He was your leading scorer. Um, Durant with only 12 points. He was four of 17 from the field. Probably the worst I've ever seen Kevin Durant play. And it was funny because I think it's the only time I ever watched him play in person. Harden only had five points, seven assists in 25 minutes of action for him. Um, but Jeff Green, 19 points, seven of eight from the field, five of six from three-point range. He really led the second unit in this one. They were able to just beat up on a Bulls team that was playing without Zach Levine. Uh, Vuzovic did not play well in this one. He only had 10 points. He shot four of 18 from the field. Um, but Patrick Williams going to be a heck of a player. 24 points for the Bulls. Thaddeus Young chipped in 19 and Markinen had 14 as well. Not much to say about this game. I, I mean, Jeff Green was the major storyline. The big three looked eh, uh, but we'll, we'll take the win, right? Hey, it's just, it's just good to see those um, all those guys not wearing street clothes. Hell yeah, absolutely. As much as we love, you know, the, the garb that James Harden rocks when he's not playing, we much prefer him to be in a Brooklyn Nets jersey. All right. We have to get into this Hall of Fame induction this past Saturday before we get to our rapid fire to finish out the podcast. But three players, KB, who really were the three most consistent stars, I think, of our entire childhood. And that's that's Kevin Garnett, AKJ, former Net. You have Tim Duncan, who made his presence known to the to the Nets organization in 03 in that finals. He was unstoppable. And then finally, you have the late, great Kobe Bean Bryant, known Nets destroyer, snatched Nets fans' souls out of their chest every single time he played us up until that, that game from like a decade ago when it was right before we got the Darren Williams, you know, Joe Johnson team out there. But I know you remember this. He dunked on Gerald Wallace and just ended ended his life. Like, like the nets were done after that dunk. They're like, we need to figure something out because Kobe Bryant at age 30, whatever is dunking all over our team. Um, those three guys were inducted into the hall of fame this Saturday. Uh, very, very memorable careers. I, I mean, you know, Tim Duncan, the big fundamental, maybe the most consistent performer I've ever watched Garnett. Nobody could match his intensity on, on, on defense when he was with Boston and offensively when Garnett was with Minnesota, Pound for pound, him and Shaq, probably the two best big men of, of that specific generation uh, for, for me. And then Kobe Bryant. I mean, I'll, I'll let you talk on all three of these guys, KB, but but what, what did that Hall of Fame induction ceremony mean to you? Because we're the same age. We grew up with these guys. So we were able to watch them in their prime when we were 10, 12 years old. I mean, it, the, the greatest thing about it was it was cool to see three different um, – 
personalities, right? I mean, you get Duncan going up there and he's such a humble guy. And um, just, you know, him talking about uh, no one really taking a chance on him. And he was, he was a swimmer and all, and all this other stuff um, out in the Virgin Islands. And, and then Pop, you know, I mean, Pop's got a great eye for talent. Um, and just um, he, he spoke really eloquently and um, you, you could just you, go, you could see the, like the, the, the passion um, and the, the love of the game that he had and how appreciative he was to um, given that given that opportunity to um, be great. And I liked how he, he really um, was thankful of, you know, guys like, uh, you know, Parker and um, Ginobili and obviously, you know, Pop, who's, whose hair looks fucking amazing, by the way. Um, and then you you know you you go over to um someone like KG and she's a whole different you know KG's throwing like shade out there he's you know he's got more of a personality K- KG was like the anti Tim Duncan right it's so funny how different those guys were from a personality standpoint but production wise I mean they were very similar players um how they got those statistics are completely different uh, I mean Tim Duncan's uh, back to the basket game I think was a little bit better than KG's but KG was a little bit more agile in his prime than Duncan was um they're they're very hard to compare like like there's a huge debate on Twitter you can go in and find Duncan versus KG but I think we can agree that out of those three guys at least for me I know people will make the case for Tim Duncan but Kobe Bryant was the most prolific player of our it's not even 100 percent um and and kind of just to um before we get into um you know the, the real star of all that um Going back to KG, I mean, you know, it's all this animosity. And you got guys, especially like, you know, you look back at the Fab Five with like Jalen Rose, Chris Weber, um, that um beef that they you think still lingers, who who knows these days. And KG not really giving any love to a uh, round. Yeah. Kind of yeah. pissed me off. Yeah. Um, but you know, that's that's KG. Um, and the 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 end on KG, um, I think in the 27 years that I've um, you know, been graced to, you know, be alive on this planet, it's like he had one of the most iconic. So like when when he was celebrating after that win, and he said anything is possible. That is give, give one me, of the most give iconic your, things. Give me of your all Kevin time. Garnett impression. Every, anything is possible. Give it to me now. I mean, you gotta get. He's like, anything is possible. Baby. I love go. that shit. I love that. Listen, hey, I got I got neighbors and shit. They might think I'm nuts, but it is. KG's a former net. He was in a movie with Adam Sandler. He won a championship in Boston. And he was an MVP in Minnesota. That's that's all you got to say about him. He might have a beef with Ray Allen. Shit happens, is what it is. But talk to me. I know you're a Kobe guy, and, and it's all about this man right here. He's he's right As behind you, you on the video. Um, I have a Kobe jersey hanging up behind this Fireside Nets poster. But just talk to me. Talk to me about what Kobe Bryant meant to you as a kid growing up. I know you wanted to play basketball, and and how he impacted your life personally. You know, it's it, it's funny because um, I think his impact um, after basketball um, put more of an imprint um, on me. Um, obviously, when he was playing the game, it was it was just great to see, you know, his tenacity and his um, love to win. And obviously, you know, when he, he um, tore his, um, you know, Achilles and we went to the free throw line. And um, obviously, you know, you have some some hate for him when they beat us in the finals and they swept us and seeing him win. Um, you know, I saw him at the All-Star game in Philadelphia in 2003 and just him doing it with Shaq, without Shaq and that 81 point game and just what he what he brought to the table and his work ethic was incredible. But my biggest thing with him was what he was doing afterwards, after basketball. Um, I would Business watch videos man. and businessman. He's a, he's a storyteller. Um, and 
and he talks about, you know, life experiences. Um, and obviously he, he didn't go to college. He, he had a different um, kind of upbringing, you know, living in Italy and this, that, and the other, but his storytelling is just, was incredible. And, you know, you finally like, you know, get to hear and learn on what made him who he is. And that Mamba mentality was, it was, it was second to none. And, um, you know, it was obviously, you know, so tough to lose him and, you know, he'll forever live on as one of the greatest players to ever exist, you know, obviously, but um, it was, it was emotional. Um, You know, Tim Duncan, I teared up a little bit. KG, I was kind of like, you know, laughing. Um, And then obviously Kobe, I was just kind of like, just in awe still. Shout out Vanessa Bryant. It took a lot of courage for her to deliver that speech, but, but she did it so perfectly. And, 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 you know, she said everything that needed to be said. Um, before we move on, my one memory of, of Kobe, well, I have two memories. Um, he was at a Nets game a few months before, uh, after maybe a year. No, him and Gianna were at a Nets game when they, the Nets played the Hawks. And it was the year before this year. So, so, so last year um, that I went to, and I was me and my, me and Victoria, my girlfriend, we were able to actually see him. We had really good seats and uh, we didn't say hi to him, but his, presence of just being at the game after the game uh, Spencer Dinwiddie had an unbelievable performance that day and he went up to Kobe and Kobe said you're playing like an all-star this year and like the story wasn't about the Nets beating the Hawks the story was about Kobe Bryant being at the game and that's the kind of impact he had on people and I'll never forget like that moment of, of just being at that game um, it was really special the other uh, moment of his career that I love love when the Lakers were really bad he went on Jimmy Kimmel. I think it was the year that, that he fucked up his Achilles. And, um, you know, the Lakers won on some big shot by Jeremy Lin. And then Nick Young and Jordan Hill were celebrating with Lin after the game. The Lakers were like 19 and 30 or something. And Jimmy Kimmel shows the clip to Kobe Bryant. And he's like, what do you think of this? And Kobe's just like deadpan, not laughing, staring at Jimmy Kimmel. Like, get this fucking shit off the screen right now, dude. Like, this is, I don't want to see this. These guys are idiots. They don't know what it takes to win a championship. And that was Kobe, man. Like, if you didn't have what it took to win a championship, Kobe Bryant did not fuck with you. That was it. It was that simple. So, I I mean, you just, you love it. Um, All right. On a much lighter note, we're going to end the podcast with a rapid fire for Kina baby. So for people who don't know my buddy KB, I'm going to ask him 10 questions. He's going to have to answer as fast as he could. And hopefully it gives people more of an idea of who you are as a person. All right. Let's let, let it ride. All right. Number one, best memory as a Nets fan. Oof. Um, has to be um, when my pops took me to um, that game four against the Lakers. Um, and we just out of nowhere, just ran into Dr. J. And just meeting him and shaking his hand, and um, it was just—it was just so cool to see because that's one of um, my dad's favorite players of all time. And you know, I remember watching his old highlight tapes from like v- like VCR, um, and it, it was just so cool to run into him. That's 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 got to be the best net memory. That's a pretty cool story, man. I didn't know that about you. I uh, I ran into Daryl Dawkins. Well, I didn't run into him. We went to an event with Daryl Dawkins, but that's probably the most famous net I've ever met. Um, number two, who is your favorite net of all time? Favorite at all time. I mean, it's, 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 it's Jason kid. That's my guy. Number three, favorite food to eat at a Nets game when they were in continental arena. (laughs) 
Oh, I mean, we got to go with the chicken tendies and fries, my guy. Ooh, all right, number four, least favorite net of all time. Mike James. Number five, coolest kid to come out of Bergen Catholic High School. Matt Riga. Number six, who would you say your pickup basketball game is modeled after in the NBA? Nick Young. Number seven, coolest kid to come out of Riverdale High School. Well, I mean, he was Swaggy P, but yeah, Nick Young. What's the, what's the next one? Coolest kid to come out of Riverdale High School. Uh, his name's Nick. Uh, last name is Sia. Number eight, favorite Nets coach of all time. Um, oof, wow. Um, I'd have to go with, um, oof, that's, that's, that's a tough one. Because I think I know your answer. My favorite coach, and I, 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 my favorite coach is the Jewish guy from Teaneck, dude. Are you kidding me? Oh, well, I know that. Larry Frank times a hundred. I mean, that's I, that, you know it, and that it, it would be my answer. But like, there was just something about, like I said, Jason Kidd when he made someone knock over that drink and spill on the court. Jason Kidd's my guy. All right, number nine. Will you ever step foot in that gigantic monstrosity they built next to where the Nets used to play in East Rutherford? Uh no. I hope it burns down. Shit. And number 10, with nobody in it, by the way. Mind you, KB said he hopes it burns down with nobody in it. Number 10. Give me your prediction for how the playoffs will unfold for the Brooklyn Nets. Um, again, it all depends on who they get. Um, I'm assuming that they get the Celtics in the first um, round. And I think that goes five. So they clean them out. Um, and then I would guess, you know, depending on the seating, um, Whoever they get in that second round, whether it's you know, um, get, the Bucks let's, say, or, let's say they get the Heat. With, with, let's with say they the heat. heat Milwaukee. Honestly, out of all the teams in the East, the Heat scare me the most. Yeah, and I don't know if that's you know a little uh, crazy take, but I think the Heat we beat them in six, um, and then going to off that, I think we beat the Sixers. I mean, yeah, Sixers in five or six, and I, I don't know. I mean. It all depends on, you know, what happens with the uh, Warriors-Lakers game and um, LeBron, who I, I know is healthy, he's all full shit. But I, I want the Lakers in the finals. I want that revenge. I want to see that matchup. I want to see Kyrie take down LeBron. I want to see KD beat them. Uh, I want to see Jimmy finally win championship and just fuck L.A. All right, so you have Brooklyn over the Lakers in the finals. That's I, what, I mean, that's what I want. That's what I think. All right, I love it. So we're ending the show. KB, thank you so much for coming on, man. You were a delight. You know I love you rocking that beautiful James Harden-esque shirt you got on. Any final words that you want to give the listeners out there? Oh, I mean, I got a final uh, story, and this is a good one. So All right. It's about a year ago, and it was uh, the day of the Belmont Stakes, and I was in Long Beach where I currently live, and I was with my pops, and we're leaving, and, you know, we're just we're just driving about to get on the highway to head back to Jersey. And there's a couple, you know, red lights. And I, I, I see ahead of us, you know, the, the light above, a, a license plate. And I couldn't really read it. It was like something like KD, Trey, and like you could like like number seven. And like there was um like a Brooklyn Nets like sticker on the back of the car. But it was like a Volvo, like a tan Volvo car is like maybe like thirty five thousand dollars. I'm like, but there, I could see that the windows were tinted. I'm like, I don't know what came over me. I'm like, that's definitely fucking Kevin Durant. I mean, who would like, like, what are the odds? Kevin Durant. Right. Right. And then my dad was like, all right, let's, let's speed it up. Let's speed it up. So all of a sudden 
he's swerving. He's like, because I'm convinced it's Kevin Durant. I'm like, it's definitely effing Kevin Durant. We get next to him in the red light. I put my window down. And I was like, KD, KD. He puts his window down, goes like this. Green light just speeds off. Wow. It was it was just an incredible story. And then um, I just remember thinking to myself, I'm like, that man is going to win us a championship. And we're, we're, we're about coming up on that time where uh, playoffs are about to start and we're about to get that dub. Listen, that's an awesome story. I have a very similar story, but it was Lawrence Frank who gave me the peace sign. And they didn't win a championship with Larry Frank as coach. So hopefully it's a little bit different with Kevin Durant at the helm than, than Lawrence Frank as the coach. But that was awesome, man. Thank you. Thank you for, uh, for sharing that with us. Um, for those listeners out there, Nick should be back next week. I don't think he has any other uh, film festivals in Austin, Texas. So, Chris, so KB, thank you again for coming on. Remember to, if you're going to get manscaped and you want to shave your ball area, use the Fireside promo code, Fireside, all caps. Thanks to everyone for listening to this week's episode of Fireside Nets with Spen and Nick, brought to you by Empire Sports Media. And as always, I will catch you on the Fireside.